This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. He calls us from all nations. There's no particular group that he calls. He calls to all. In Romans 1.6, Paul writes that among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He calls us into a relationship. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Again, Paul writes that you were called, what? Into fellowship. Into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Scriptures teach us that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, in today's message, Pastor David will remind us that God loved the world. He didn't send his son for just one particular people group. You see, Jesus came to this earth to make a way for us to be cleansed and forgiven, to make a way for us to be restored. And he did that for anyone who would turn to him with a humble heart of repentance. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, for part one of our message entitled, Called, Sanctified, and Preserved. Don't you wish that sometimes you had a... uh an early warning system that uh, before you get yourself in trouble, that suddenly there are warning signs that come up that are flashing, flashing, warning, warning, back away, back away. Well, the fact is that you do have that early warning system if you are a believer, and he is called the Holy Spirit. The problem is, is we don't always listen, do we? Warning signs are all around us. And in our spiritual life, those warning signs come up on a regular basis. The United States actually has a warning system. It's called the National Warning System. It was actually put together way back in the 1950s when there was threat of a nuclear attack. And some of you probably you grew up in that time where you had those drills in school and they had you dive under your desk and cover your heads and wait to be blown up. But... Uh, <laughs> That, that system is still there. It's still in use today. It's still a good system, but now it's that siren that you hear in case tornadoes come. And uh, it's, it's still there. It's still usable, but primarily for local or national disasters. I look at the book of Jude as one of those warning signs for us. And that's where we're at this morning in the book of Jude. And we saw that this very short letter, only 25 verses long, warns against false teachers, against false doctrine. It's a warning system for you as a believer. Now, you can read through Jude, you can study Jude, and then you can absolutely ignore Jude. But it's to your own Dangers to your own avail that, again, if you ignore these kinds of things, you could suffer great damage because of it. Now, in this warning, Jude writes to the church in, in general. He doesn't write to a specific city, church, or geographical area at all. His letter is more than a local warning. It's even more than a national warning. It's a universal warning against literally these terrorists that would 
come in, and as we shared last week, these false teachers, they don't come in with a sign that says, hey, I'm a false teacher, look out for me, just as Satan doesn't come in with two horns and a tail. He comes in in other ways. False teachers come in, they look just like us. They they don't come with a sign. We have to be aware of what God's Word says in order to be able to fight against these false teachings. Well, because Jude gives this letter to us, this universal warning, we need to understand that the impact of that impacts not just the local church, but it impacts the universal church. And it impacts not just 2,000 years ago when Jude was writing this, but it impacts even today, uh, probably even more so during these last days as the enemy of our souls is trying to, again, distract us, to detract us, to destroy us, to discourage us. So we need to pay attention. We need to be watching out because there's a lot of believers today whose lives are compromised, whose lives are damaged because of false doctrine, because they're being misled by false teachers. But Really and truly, before we even get into that part of what Jude is writing about, I want to look at who Jude is writing to. Jude, again, he's proclaiming these warnings. He gives this special direction to a group of people. Listen to what it says, Jude 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, again, before we go much further, I've got to go down a rabbit trail this morning. And usually when I listen to people preach or teach, I hate rabbit trails when I'm on the listening end because you think, well, suddenly something came into their mind and they're going off and no telling when we're going to get back to the real deal. But we need to go on this little rabbit trail this morning uh, again because you need to understand what's going on in the midst of this. By now, as, as a believer, whether you've been a believer for a few months or many years, you know that our Bible comes in a variety of English translations. Uh, Even within the last several years, there have been even more translations that come out. But I'm knowing that some of them are better than others. You need to know this morning that none of them are perfect. And I'm going to draw this to your attention this morning because there's some variances even in this first verse in Jude, depending upon what version of the Bible you have. Jude, again, directs his epistle. He directs his warnings. Uh, for the King James Version, people, it says, To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now, in my New King James Version, it flips it around. It says, To those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. And then there's other versions, New American Standard Bible, the New Revised Standard Version, and it says to those who are the called, and then they change instead of sanctified, they say beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ instead of preserved in Jesus Christ. I bring this out and I bring it to your attention because I know that many of you have different versions other than the New King James that I use, I don't want you 
to be confused, and I'm going to give you, hopefully, a quick explanation that hopefully won't confuse you anymore, okay? I, I want to try and make it clear for you this morning. But before I can actually teach this, you need to understand, we need to understand exactly what we're teaching and what, what again, and where this is being directed to, who the book of Jude is being directed to. We find, even in this first verse, a couple of translation issues. And again, I don't call them problems, because basically I, I don't see them as problems. I, I see them simply as issues, and I just need you to hang in there with me as we go through these things. Issue number one, okay? Issue number one, most English versions have that phrase, who are the called, at the beginning of this statement that uh, James is writing. But that's only because the Greek versions have it listed last. So that ought to straighten that up. That ought to clear that up for you. Actually, it's, it's placed in the last in the Greek version because of Greek grammar rules. The most important thing comes at the end of the sentence. And so when we look at that, it's just the opposite than it is for us in the English. And to help you understand that a little bit better, where do most of us live, or at least right now? We are in where? Casa Grande. Now, that's a Spanish name, and if you do a straight, literal translation, it says, house big, right? But we don't say it that way. When we translate it, we just do that mental thing. We flip it over, big house. Okay, it's kind of the same thing that we're looking at here in the Greek. Due to the placement in those early Greek texts, and in the English version here at Jude, of Jude chapter 1, those who are called actually needs to be at the front at the beginning of the sentence, for our own understanding, because it's an important part of what he's saying here. So again, that's simply issue number one. Issue number two may be a little bit bigger one. Uh, as a matter of fact, for some, it actually falls right at the door of uh, a conspiracy theory against the validity of Scripture in some folks' minds. In my humble opinion, I take the words of William Shakespeare that they make much ado about nothing. Uh, but that's just my humble opinion. In verse 1, some Bible versions have sanctified by God the Father, while other versions have the phrase, beloved in God the Father. You need to understand that those are two absolutely different phrases, they have absolutely different meanings altogether. So within that issue, there's a couple of questions that you need to be asking. But if you don't know what questions to ask, that's okay, because I'm going to ask them for you this morning, okay? First of all, you need to ask the question, why is there a difference? And secondly, you need to ask the question, does it really matter? Well, the answer to the first one, why is there a difference, actually is rather simple. But again, you need to stay with me, and I know this is different than our normal teaching verse by verse through the Bible, but it really will help you on down the line when you're sharing a Bible verse with somebody, and they have another Bible, and it's completely different than what your verse says, and you're going, wow, you, you've got one of those perverted gospel, you know, um, probably the nearly inspired version, but uh, anyway... 
never mind, old joke. The way that this comes about, and, and the reason there's a difference, is because primarily, and again, this is a very simple explanation of a, a much bigger thing, but for this morning, hopefully it'll work for you. Primarily, there are two groups of early Greek manuscripts, okay? Two primarily major groups of manuscripts that are used in our English translations. And between these two groups, there are some discrepancies. Now, you need to understand that the Bible in the original is without error. In other words, when Jude penned this, there was no error in what Jude wrote. But from what Jude wrote, there were copies and copies and copies and copies. And I'm not going to go into that much this morning, but just understand, that's why there are some discrepancies. But the thing you need to know, the thing that you need to be assured of, is that none of these discrepancies are earth-shattering. None of them truly change doctrinal truths when they're examined within the context of what they're written. And most of all, these discrepancies can can be explained fairly simply. So again, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of that this morning, but suffice it to say that the differences that we see in some of the translations depends upon which one of those early Greek manuscripts those particular scholars use to make their translations. Okay, so that's the answer to question number one. Why is there a difference? Well, it depends upon which grouping of Greek manuscripts they translated from. Now, question number two. Does it really matter? And again, the simple answer is no, it doesn't. However, for the inquiring minds that just need to know, Rather, Jude's actual writing, when Jude wrote this epistle, rather he wrote sanctified by God the Father or beloved in God the Father, you need to understand that both of those statements are true for believers. That all through Scripture we see both of those statements as describing believers, that we are sanctified, that we are beloved. Uh, and again, there, there's much, much more to it than that, but again, I don't want you to allow the enemy to get you hung up on some of these issues. They're just issues, and again, they can be dealt with easily. It does not change the doctrine. It does not change our understanding of the totality of Scripture, and particularly even when you put it in context of where those discrepancies are. So to assist you this morning in understanding this passage a little bit better, I'm going to stick with my New King James Version, where it says, Sanctified by God the Father. Okay? So, now that we've chased that rabbit until the rabbit has died, and we are totally exhausted, let's take a look at the message this morning, get into what the Word says. Jude writes, The message is written to those who are called, those who are sanctified by God the Father, those who are preserved in Jesus Christ. Christ. The overwhelming understanding of all of that is that Jude is writing to whom? He's writing to believers. 
He's writing to believers. He's not writing to some special class or group or core of believers that need the secret handshake to be able to understand what he's writing. No, he's writing to all believers. And he says, because you are a believer, these things, again, apply to you. If you have faith, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you claim and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, by the authority of God's Word, you are saved. And if you're truly saved, beloved, then you need to understand that you fall into this camp of those who are called, those who are sanctified, those who are preserved. And that ought to be a good thing for you. You ought to understand that that is the blessing of where you and I stand as believers in Christ. Jude is about to make some strong declarations against these false teachers, against this false doctrine, and before he goes into, in essence, condemning these false teachers, he wants to assure you and I who are true believers that, hey, you are called, you are sanctified, you are preserved in Christ. And again, what a glorious place that is for us to be. It's a message of assurance for us as believers. So let's take a look at that. Those who are called. The word used here in the Greek for called is kletos. And kletos has the meaning of being invited or, or summoned to come. It's, it's a very technical term, but the great emphasis of it all is the fact that it's God who has called us. You have been called. God has reached out His arm. He's declared by His Spirit, and He's called you to Himself. Just as, again, in these other descriptions, the sanctified and the preserved part, you and I need to understand that this is a work of God in our lives. As one writer put it, salvation is not simply a human choice. It's also a response to an invitation and the initiation from God's Spirit. This is why it's so important that human beings respond immediately to the still, small voice of God's leadership in their lives, whether initial in salvation or effective ministry or in repentance. Humans are always the responders. You catch that? You and I are always the responders to the initiation of God. We never initiate that. It's always God's Spirit. God is the one who always calls, and we see it all throughout the Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we could go. We go back and we see God called to Adam right in the midst of his sin. In Genesis 3, 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? God called Abraham out of a total pagan culture to bring him into a new land, into a new faith. We read in Genesis 12:1, God spoke to Abram and he says, "Get out of your country, come away from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you." Later, God called Jacob back from a foreign land. In Genesis 31.3, God speaking to Jacob, and he says, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Later, we read that God called Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. In Exodus 3.10, we read how God spoke to Moses, and he says, Come now. Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
We get into the New Testament. Jesus calls the weary to rest in Him. And in Matthew 11.28, we read Jesus speaking. He says, Come to Me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden. and I'll give you rest. Jesus calls the thirsty of spirit. He calls them to be refreshed through Him. In John 7.37, Jesus declares to the crowd, He says, If anyone, if any of you are thirsty, come to Me and drink. He calls us from all nations. There's no particular group that He calls. He calls to all. In Romans 1.6, Paul writes that among all nations, for His name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He calls us into a relationship. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Again, Paul writes that you were called, what? Into fellowship. Into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. But beloved, these and a multitude of others all throughout Scripture. The call is there, but there is a response that is needed to that call. You and I need to be the ones who are responding to this. God gives the call, but we need to respond. When we respond to His call, when we enter into that relationship with Him, He then calls us saints. What a great word that is. What an amazing thing. Romans 1, 7, Paul writes to us, he says, To all who are beloved of God, called to be saints. As a believer, you are called. And then you're declared and you're designated as saints. And that leads us into this next descriptor that, that Jude uses of who he's speaking to. He says, to those who are sanctified by God the Father. Those who are sanctified. Do you realize what an awesome word sanctified is in relationship to you? The fact that you are sanctified by God the Father. And again, it comes from a Greek word, hagiadzo. Hagiadzo, which, which was translated actually into a Latin word, sanctus. And it's from the Latin word that we get the word uh, sacred or sanctify. The meaning of sanctify is to separate or to set apart from profane things and dedicate to God for sacred use. You see, when you're sanctified, it doesn't mean that you're just pulled out of the world. It means that you're pulled out of the world, but you're set up for use in God's kingdom. And you, as a believer, you've been pulled out of the things of the world, but much more than being pulled out of things of the world, you've been placed before the Lord for His use. You've been pulled together, as another definition of sanctify is, is to make holy. He has made you holy by the blood of Christ. He's pulled you out of the world. And you and I now, through the blood of Christ, through the work of Christ on the cross on our behalf, we are now sanctified. We are now saints. And yes, beloved, we are now holy. And your one spouse is probably elbowing another one. He said, I know he ain't talking about you. Uh, <laughs> But the fact is, is if you are in Christ, you stand holy because your sin is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. As a believer, all of this was done for you 
by God the Father through the work of Christ. Listen to what Jesus prays in John 17. He prays in John 17, verse 19, and for their sakes... Jesus says, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And he's not speaking just about the disciples that he was with. No, he's speaking about all believers of all ages. Paul speaks directly to all believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when he writes in verse 2 that he is writing to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place calling on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. He is our Lord. Within that single verse, Paul explains that we are hagiadso, we are sanctified, and that we are called to be hagias, saints. That's the work done by the Father through the Son. That's all through the New Testament we see it, that believers are called saints because of that work of sanctification that's done on our behalf. We've been set apart from this world. We've been set unto the kingdom of God. We are saints. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have a Saturday evening and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website, you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of David's message from the book of Jude. But we've run out of time for today. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.